Welcome to a Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. I'm Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello and welcome to Missoni and Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. We are here weekly to discuss the journeys of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad that you've joined us today as we bring you stories of hope and inspiration. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Missoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Hi, Sarah Missoni. I got to see you this week, which doesn't always happen. It was great to see you this week. It was so good. We were uh, together at the Good Food Mercantile in Portland. And if our listeners um, had heard when we interviewed Lee from the Barrel B, Sarah just out of nowhere invited her to come with her to the Mercantile. And there they were together at the show. So cute. (laughs) I know. And it was really nice having having her there. She learned so much about you know, mini trade shows. She met yeah. lots of contacts. She was excited sharing her products with people. She even had new products there to share with um, buyers to see and get feedback from them. So it was a great place for her to join us. That's so cool. What a great opportunity. She hadn't done a trade show before, right? Not for her own No, product. she hadn't. Nope. That's so, so cool. Yeah, it was super cool. And what else were you showing there? Did you just have her? I think I ate some cheese that was at your table. Yeah, too. there was a <laughs> couple of cheeses made in uh, the food science department on the on the campus in Corvallis. I think the uh, gochujang cheddar cheese is my favorite. And then a wine, um, wine cheddar cheese. They take wine and they coat the outside of the cheese with it. Oh, gives yeah. it kind of a purple color. And the wine is actually made in Corvallis too. So that was a double whammy. That's so cool. And then we had some tea that was made 50% um, Oregon olive leaves, 50% black tea. And then it had like an orange pico flavor. It was so good. It actually had a secret ingredient, which is olive oil in it. Oh, wow. To smooth it out and give some body. And it was it was well-received. People were coming back with bigger cups to drink extra. <laughs> That's so cool. I didn't get a chance to try the tea, but I did get to come over and say hi. It was kind of a um, busy place. When you only have those, busy. those few um, hours, you really have to, I just stick to my booth. I didn't get to run around. Yeah. My favorite um, thing was going upstairs to sort of the incubator alley. It was dedicated to Matt Choi and, yeah. and his family was there. That was exciting. Cool. Yeah, that was so cool. I saw his mom. They had a booth downstairs and then I saw his brother and sister were there, too. So what a great way to honor one of our buddies. It was so nice to have that there. It was was was, great. Yeah, there was really great uh, micro. They called them micro vendors. I don't I don't know if they're really micro vendors. They all were people that I know from the farmer's market, but maybe they're just not not um, big co-packed businesses, but they were all up there. It was really, really great. 
Another cool thing that happened was we had the Good Food Symposium, which was the day before, or yeah, the day before we held it at the OSU Center downtown. And we had some great training and education about building your business. Yeah. How Uh, did that go? Was it good? It was good. We had about 30 people there. I think uh, they'll be repeating it again next year and we'll try for even more people to join us. That's, That's so good. Yeah, I heard from, you know, my pal, Sarah Delavan. She's been a guest on the show, but she came, she was at the food show, too. So she came to say hi and came to the farmer's market. And she said it w- went really well. She was one of the speakers and she we was need, into it. And we need to have Felice and we need to have Shannon. Both those ladies need to be on the show now. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And then I went books. around and I took photographs of all the people that we've worked with from the Food Innovation Center that were there. And there were over 40 well, that's and, wild. <laughs> and I was reflecting on the situation. Guess what? I would say over 80% of them are women. That's so great. So I need to go through those pictures and put the contact information in so that Chelsea can call and get those ladies on our show. Yeah, let's do it. There are so many wonderful people. My goal was that I wanted to find uh, at least five to invite on the show. So I think I did. So I'll be sending Chelsea a list too. She'll be a busy lady this week. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be scheduled into 2023. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm excited about our guest today. We always love chatting with rebellious women. So we're joined in the studio with Anne of Rebel Daughter Cookies. She is shipping cookies nationwide for you to indulge your inner rebel. Anne is from Norwalk, Connecticut. So thanks for joining us today, Anne. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be on. We're so glad you're here. We want to um, connect our listeners to you and have them follow along on your journey. So how can they find you online or on Instagram? Um, We are on Instagram at rebeldaughtercookies and our website is rebeldaughtercookies.com. Perfect. Well, let's, we always like to start at the beginning. Yeah. So let's talk about when you started your biz. Started in um, November, 2019, um, right before COVID hit. (laughs) Perfect timing. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone thinks that uh, the business came out of COVID, but really um, we just, you know, we started before COVID and got through COVID um, out, out on the other, out on the other side. So. But you must've been baking cookies way before 2019. Well, I mean, I was baking with my mother and my grandmother and, you know, my mother is a great home baker. Um, and so I grew up in the kitchen, but, well, um, those are some complicated cookies. So I'm pretty sure you've been working on them for a while. <laughs> well, it took me, you know, it took me you know, some cookies take me 20 tries to perfect. Um, and then, you know, some cookies take me three tries to perfect. So, um, but, you know, starting way back, um, I was working on a basic chocolate chunk walnut cookie for about a month and a half to get the basic recipe down, having my husband try cookies about every other day um, until he told me, okay, this is it. You've got the recipe. And then I just continued to build cookies on top of that recipe. So starting with that base and then playing around with you know, different ingredients and taking things away and adding things. And where does the name Rebel Daughter come from? Are you the Rebel Daughter? Is your daughter the Rebel Daughter? Are we the I Rebel am Daughters? Rebel daughter. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom um, always called me her Rebel Daughter growing up. Um, we came from a pretty conservative family. And I was always pushing the boundaries, um, kind of testing my parents' patience. And 
Um, my older brother was uh, very black and white, you know, played by the rules, colored inside the lines. And then I came along and said, well, why does the sky have to be blue? Why can't it be purple? And uh, um, my you know, kind of gal. Yeah, I, uh, I gave my mom gray hair, I think, uh, early. Um, but it's it's helped me as an adult, for sure. And do you think your daughter is that way too? Mine definitely is. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, part of that is nurture. I mean, I'm, I'm teaching her to, you know, speak her mind and stand up for herself and, um, you know, that she has something important to say. So, I mean, my mom was from very conservative Minnesota and she would never call me a rebel, but she would say, you're very different, Sarah. <laughs> it's good. I say that normal is boring. <laughs> You're very That's, different. Who wants to be normal? Not me. No way. Well, and I would say your cookies aren't normal either. We um, were lucky enough to get a beautiful package sent to us. So thank you for that. That was and, fancy. Yeah. And <laughs> we love your packaging and just how big and beautiful all of the cookies are. So thanks for sending those. Very nice. I want to I want to just talk a little bit about the packaging that you sent them in because we have a lot of listeners who are other makers and and you know packaging and branding is very important. We always talk about how we want the story to be told without you being there. So can you talk a little bit about your boxes you ship in and how um, how you came to the decision to do it the way that you did? Yeah, I actually started out um, on FedEx custom boxes and I was paying maybe eight dollars per box. Um, they have a you know, website where you can design the box yourself. Um, and then you can print in, I think, a minimum of 300 boxes at a time. And so it's very expensive. And I ran into a lot of difficulty through COVID um, with cardboard, um, like the sourcing. There was a story around Christmas time when I had a huge order. Um, I think it was like 900 cookies or something going out to all of the doctor's offices like around the country. And I ran out of boxes and I had put my order in uh, well over a month ahead of time. And I was on the phone every single day for about two hours, um, just you know, asking when these boxes were going to be shipped. And they ended up not being able to do it in time. Um, it was mm. just, you know, COVID delays. Um, you know, they weren't able to, um, like a couple printing presses were down. And so, um, you know, I needed another solution. I needed a more reliable, dependable solution. And so I found this, great uh, company called Aurora Landsberg out in California through a friend of uh, my husband's um, who runs um, a snack company. And they were excellent to work with. Um, I explained to him that I needed, you know, a sleek design, but also one that would help protect the cookies. So the previous version, I was just stacking them back to back and kind of squishing them in there. And this new version has compartments um, where I can stack just two cookies on top of each other and the dividers inside keep the cookies from moving around, which was a problem before. Yeah. yeah. And it's really like a beautiful gift when you receive it and it makes it even more special. Yeah. Thank and our, yes. our listeners can't see um, our, our images or I would show the box that you sent. But the nice thing about it is that it's kind of like, when you start dealing with like ordering cardboard and things like that, there's there's custom cardboard where you can have it printed. And then there's like double wall, which is around the outside to make it thicker so it doesn't get damaged. And so this has both of those things. And then there's um, the colored branding that matches your pink and black um, with the, with I don't know what the crinkly, crinkly paper. paper. Yeah. 
crinkle paper on the inside to protect the cookies, which is really nice. So sometimes, um, you know, when we ship with like bigger companies, if you ever decide to wholesale these or something to like, um, let's say for me, it's like Williams Sonoma, if they wanted to carry your cookies, they do what's called a package test and you pay this company to basically like beat up the box and make sure oh. what's inside is not damaged. <laughs> Did it survive? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so I think I, yours definitely survived because you shipped from Connecticut all the way to Oregon and the cookies are beautiful. Great. Not yeah, one was broken people. or anything. Yeah. So Perfect. I think, I Love think you that. would pass that test, which is great. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. The, Love to hear that. The first boxes that I had, it didn't pass the test, which was good to know because I wasn't shipping nationwide at that point in time. So we had them built for our glass bottle cases and the first one didn't pass. So then we just built a different box that did. And then now we rarely have things break, which is great. Hey, I have a question for you, Anne, about your pre-order system. Yeah. Can you tell us how you figured that out? Because isn't your goal to ship the cookies the day they're made? Yes, we do. That's amazing. So the pre-order system, you know, it happened out of necessity because at the time I was working out of a shared commercial kitchen. And so Tuesdays and Fridays were the days that I could bake. And so the orders had to be in. Um, in order for me to know what I was baking and sending out or delivering um, the next day. <clears throat> we also deliver up and down Fairfield County within Connecticut. And so that is the reason that I chose Friday because lots of people want cookies for the weekends. Mm -hmm. That's that's smart. That makes sense. Um, we You mentioned your commercial kitchen and I saw that you posted about your employees that are baking in the kitchen and the space that you work in. Can you tell us a little bit about it? What's the vibe like in your kitchen? Oh my gosh. So I finally got my own space. Um, I was working out of a shared commercial kitchen and this beautiful, um, huge kitchen fell into my lap um, right around, gosh, it was October. But by the time I finally got in there, it was February. Um, and it's literally a, a kitchen. So there's no retail area. It's zoned for retail, but you walk through the door and you are in the kitchen. So you're right in there with all of the tables and all of the equipment and customers can literally walk up to right to where you make the cookies. Um, we have a very fun group of people. Um, we all say that we are rebels in our own way. Um, we've all kind of taken an alternative path in life. Um, I think the majority of us are where we are because, um, you know, we're in between going to college or, you know, the next job. Um, and we want to try something different. I'm speaking on behalf of my employees. Um, I do have, um, somebody I'm training to kind of take over my role as a head baker. Um, he's gone to college, he's gone to culinary school. Um, but the others are part-time a few days a week. Um, and they all have other jobs. So, I would say the vibe of the kitchen is very fun. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Uh, we love to goof and joke around. Um, and we're all just very supportive of each other. That's great. That's what it seemed like just from seeing the things that you posted. It seemed like it's a cool place to work and super fun and that you guys have a good time. I'm glad that came across. <laughs> um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about all the different flavors of cookies you make. All right. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. 
Okay, so I was on your website sleuthing around and I found something <clears throat> that I thought was super important that you're doing for your community. You are making lactation cookies. Yes. So Wait. that actually came about because um, when I had my daughter, I had a doula, a postpartum doula. Um, my family all lives far away. You know, Scott's family, my husband, they live far away. Um, I had a, at the time, a three-year-old at home who also needed attention. And, you know, my husband was working. And um, so I had a doula and I had told her about this entrepreneurial idea that I had had. I really wanted to do start my own business, but I didn't know what it was going to be at the time. And, you know, after her time with us, I came back and I said, hey, guess what? It's going to be cookies. And she said, oh, you should make lactation cookies. How great would that be? Um, and I said, oh, lactation cookies, because I had, you know, followed a recipe online and it was chalky and it tasted disgusting and it was dry. Mm. And um, but a light went on in my head and I thought, well, I can play around with those recipes and I can I can do something about that. I can make them delicious. Rebelize them. <laughs> yeah, so we've got we've got three varieties, uh, sorry, three flavors of um, lactation cookies for nursing moms. I saw the names got milk. What's in the got milk cookie? The got milk is a simple oatmeal cookie with milk and dark chocolates. Nice. And the mother, mother loaded, the mother loaded. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, that is the only non flour based cookie that we have on our uh, menu. Um, it's oat, flax, burrs yeast, as the got milk is, as all of the, as all of them are, but it's made with cocoa crispies, marshmallows, and caramel. So there's no oh. flour in that one. It's very that's chewy. The, that's the one I need because I don't eat wheat. So yeah. I'm going to have to order some of those. And then the birthday suit, which I thought was very cute. Do you have to eat that when you're naked? <laughs> <laughs> it, it tastes like vanilla birthday cake. It's made with uh, colored white chocolate and it's got confetti mm. sprinkles in the middle. <laughs> they're, they're all beautiful. I noticed. Yeah. I, and I think it's a really, I mean, as soon as I saw that you did this, I thought, well, I'm going to definitely gift these to any mom that I know that is nursing, because I think that I didn't know what I was getting into when I had my daughter and, and how much I was going to need to eat. Like you I have, have to like, eat a lot. You have Constantly to eat so hungry. much and, and drink like, a lot. Oh and, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. And people would be like, I'll bring you food. You know, when I was before I had her and I was like, yeah, fine. Like, I'll just figure it, you know, we'll figure it out, whatever. But I didn't realize like how hungry I was going to be. Oh, once, and especially when she started growing, like really, like I yeah, ate more really food than I've ever eaten my whole life. Starving all yeah. the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's such a great thing that you're doing for these new moms and that other people can just easily gift them since you ship everywhere. I think it's such a wonderful thing. It's going to be my new go-to for oh, I love that. friends Thank that have you. babies. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, tell us about the other cookies you make. What cookie do you think tells your story best? Ooh, if I had to think of a cookie that told my story best, I am just drawn, well, there's two cookies. One is the chocolate chunk walnut cookie that is based on a cookie that I would have after my workouts in Brooklyn. So I lived in Chicago for seven years. I lived in Brooklyn for a year and a half. And after I would work out, ironically, I would, or maybe not so much, I would get this huge decadent chocolate chunk walnut cookie. And moving to the suburbs, there was nothing like that around here. And so um, that was my mission was I was going to make an amazing chocolate chunk cookie, especially because that was the only dessert my husband would eat. Mm. So I focused on cookies because he would eat them. Um, but if I have to think of a 
cookie that's very personal to me. It's the Fluffernutter Forever. Oh. Because my mom growing up was a health nut. Um, she hardly ever had candy in the house. And, you know, if we were hungry for candy, she would say, oh, eat grapes. They're nature's candy or have an apple. Because <laughs> Sounds like my mom. I know. And my so, mom would say the same thing. Uh, have a grain cracker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not the same thing. No. So whenever I would go to a neighbor's house, I would, you know, indulge and just go crazy on whatever, you know, they got to enjoy. And one of those things was Fluffernutter Sandwich. On yeah. white bread. So for anybody who's not familiar with a fluffernutter sandwich, it's peanut butter and marshmallow fluff. And oh my goodness, my neighbor got them with the crusts cut off oh on, my white, gosh. on white bread, like wonder bread. Okay. My mom oh my only gosh. ever let us have whole wheat. And so I have this very distinct memory of sitting on my neighbor's deck at this tiny little table made just the right size for us with a fluffernutter sandwich on white bread in the sun and thinking, this is as good as life gets. Yeah. And so I designed a fluffernutter cookie around that memory. That's great. I don't, I, you know, I've talked about on the show before, but my parents were like super hippies. So that would have been like <laughs> my dream because my mom always had like this homemade, like nutty seedy bread. And oh, all yeah. I, all I wanted was like white bread. I don't even think I've I ever know. had the marshmallow fluff. I don't even know what that is. When I oh saw, my when I, I saw the cookie come in, I was like, I'm not sure. Ooh, my <laughs> best friend, when I was growing up, her mom let the sugar flow at their house and, mm-hmm. Uh, my friend would put peanut butter and put white sugar on it and then put oh, the bread. Oh, like, yes. Yes. I we we could do too. it, but we had to have brown sugar. She just got that white sugar, oh. white bread, <laughs> and they cut the crusts off too. So naughty. I think so it's, naughty. <laughs> so, it's so important to have those like, those memories of things or those um, things that you think like you can only have on a certain occasion or at a certain person's house. I think that they're like, they're what becomes like part of your brain. So I think that you having that memory, it's still with you. So now you make this cookie for other people to be able to have that one. I haven't tried that one yet, but I can't wait now that you told me what it is. Oh, that is probably, (laughs) that's probably one of our best cookies. So I hope you enjoy it. Cool. <laughs> I can't. Fun. I can't wait to try it. My daughter's favorite um, was the churro cookie. She loves cinnamon, so that oh. was like her fave for sure. Uh, can you tell people about that one, just so that, that if they haven't had tried it? Oh, the chocolate. Yeah, it's a chocolate chunk cookie that's rolled in cinnamon sugar, and um, that one is also based off another childhood favorite dessert. Um, my first churro was sitting on my dad's shoulders at Disneyland. I was probably about five years old. Um, and it was just the most delicious bite of crispy heaven. Um, and so <laughs> the cookie is a little bit crispy and chewy on the outside. And it's ooey gooey with chocolate in the middle. Um, it's rolled in cinnamon sugar. Did I see one in there that has like pieces of graham crackers in it? Is that like that is a s'mores? Yeah, I think it might be my favorite one if I was eating wheat because it looked really delicious. Uh, yeah, it's um, the thing I'm proud of about that one is it's pretty balanced. It's not too sweet. So that's That's super fun. And I saw on your Instagram that you do a spicy cookie. Tell us about that one because that always piques my interest. Um, Yes, it's not on the regular menu, but it's one of our seasonal specials. We did a smoked chocolate cherry um, cayenne cookie. Mm -hmm. So you get a little bit of that heat in the back of your throat. Um, Chunks of dried cherries in there that kind of balance out the dark chocolate. Um, and then I did sort of a, a rub, like a barbecue rub on the top with dark brown sugar and cayenne, some, some spices. 
Uh, and I was thinking about what you're doing with cookies. And I was thinking that you're kind of like one of those crazy ice cream shops, but you're yes. a cookie. Um, <laughs> and so you're shout cookie out dough. to Odd Fellows in Brooklyn. Um, right. I don't know. If- I don't know if you've ever heard of Oddfellows, but they yeah. make such crazy ice cream concoctions and that's my go-to spot there. Yeah. So your cookie dough is like the vanilla ice cream and then all your yummy stuff you change and add to it makes it really interesting. So can you tell us a little bit more about your development process? How do you get your new ideas for your cookies? Yeah. So all of my cookies are based off of either childhood memories or favorite um, adult flavor combinations. So like a chocolate chili cookie is obviously, you know, a favorite adult uh, flavor profile and it's not from my childhood, but um, I love um, making a unique cookie. So a lot of the cookies on the menu, you know, s'mores, churro, regular chocolate chunk cookie, these are all very, um, you know, they're crowd pleasers. So the sampler is called the crowd favorites sampler. Mm. So I get to go out on a limb and kind of experiment and come up with unique combinations for cookies um, for the limited edition specials. Right now we've got a strawberry hibiscus lemonade cookie on the menu. Is that a bright color? Is that the one that I saw that was it's beautiful? Pink. Yeah. yeah, it's pink and it's got lemonade icing drizzle on the top. Um, it's made mm. a little white chocolate to kind of balance out the tartness. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, the cookies start with a, either a memory in my head or like a flavor, like a favorite flavor combination. And I'll think, well, first of all, start, try to make it easy on myself and say, what is a cookie that might be kind of similar that I've done before? Okay. I've made a chocolate covered strawberry cookie. I can take that same, you know, strawberry dough and kind of work on that and work that into this cookie. Um, So it's, it usually, I mean, I've got so many cookies now, so many different recipes that I've made that I can usually start with one cookie and kind of make it something else at this Mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I said, sometimes like in the very beginning, it would take me 20 tries to perfect a cookie. And now sometimes it's down to like two or three tries before. I noticed you have a lot of accolades on your website, which is really a great selling point when somebody can read about you in the, um, the language of, of a fan. Do you have a favorite customer? Do I have a favorite customer? I have so many favorite customers. I have customers that have been with me since the very beginning. Um, you know, when I was doing parking lot pickups through COVID, um, I have customers that order every single week. I have, uh, you know, quote unquote, celebrity customers that come in, um, you know, local celebrity customers that come in. Um, I've become friends with some of my customers. Um, I just think it's so important, you know, when you're selling a product that, I mean, the person, the client doesn't want to just buy the cookie. They want to buy a feeling and they want to buy a piece of you. And so, it is, I mean, it is. Every single cookie I make is my own creation and it comes, it's a very personal creation because it comes from a memory or, um, you know, it's, it's all got my heart and soul in it. And so, um, yeah, a lot of the customers get to know me and I get to know them. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's really important for them to know the person behind the cookie. That's nice. Do you have a, a star or somebody that you would choose as a spokesperson? Gosh, there are a lot. Um, I'm thinking like Simone Biles or like Venus Williams or um, mm-hmm. 
There are just, there are Have so many. Have you watched that movie about uh, Serena and her sister and her dad? There's uh, a, a tennis movie out. I have not. I know exactly what you mean. It's called Prince William. Yes, you have to watch it. It's a great movie. Yeah, it looked really great. Um, it was right around the time. I think I wanted to watch it right around the time of the Oscars. And yeah. it's with, um, gosh, who's the main character? Will. Will Smith. And it yeah, was right Smith. after that whole Oscars escapade. And my husband yeah. was like, I, I don't, I don't want to watch this right now. He like was not in the mood for more <laughs> It, you know what? But I watched it list. the very next day or two days later because I was on an airplane. It was on there. I was like, I got to watch this movie. <laughs> and it was really good. I think yeah. about it a lot, actually, which is interesting that a movie could have an impact on somebody. So are you selling to other retailers or do people um, buy directly from you always? It's um, now it is buying directly from me. Um, however, I dabbled in wholesale a little bit. I was in Butterfield in uh, New York. They've got two markets in, in New York City. I was actually losing money doing that. Um, so it ended up being great for advertising and getting my name out there, but um, I couldn't sustain it, especially now with inflation. Yeah, the I, margins. I think that's that's pretty common with um, with bakers, especially. I think it's very hard for, for any of them to wholesale. We've, we've known lots here in our city that have tried and even in our local markets and they're very supportive and they try to work with people on margins yeah. and things, but it's just so hard because you, yeah. baking is such, it takes so much time. And so once you put that time yeah. in and have a team of people and have to pay them, it's very hard mm-hmm. to, to break even. Yeah. yeah. Butterfield, they were fantastic. I loved working with them. I just couldn't make the numbers work. Yeah. I think, I think that's not uncommon, but now you're selling directly and you ship nationwide. Has that um, been easy for you? Has it provided any challenges? What's tell us about it? Well, it definitely took me um, some trial and error. I was started out going through the U S postal service and a lot of the package packages miraculously and mysteriously got quote unquote lost. Mm -hmm. Uh, And (laughs) the process of recouping, um, you know, the insurance money on that was not fun. Um, I didn't always even get my money back after I had to replace the packages. So I switched to UPS. Um, I go through Shippo now. I found their rates to be the best. Um, so if any of their, any of you out there are listening and you're a you know, small retailer, um, I found Shippo to have the best rates. So ship ground via UPS. Um, I've got a brand new website coming out hopefully soon, although it's honestly, it's been two years in the works. And every, every time I think that it's going to launch, there's some kind of a snafu. But on the next website, I'll be able to offer people upgraded shipping two day and three day, which, you know, if you're living in Oregon and you're ordering from Connecticut, um, instead of taking five days, you know, that's, that'll be a great option for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So I saw that you said that cookies belong in boxes, not people. Yep. Can you tell people what you mean by that? Um, well, from my own personal experience growing up, I was that girl who was a record setting power lifter and I set high school records as a power lifter and I was a band geek and I was a jock and I didn't, I didn't fit any kind of a mold and um, I didn't fit any kind of a click and I really rejected clicks and exiting that very small town in that high school, graduating from high school and going to college, it, my world opened up and I realized that um, there are so many more people out there like me 
um, who also didn't fit any kind of a mold. And I grew up in a high school where everybody had to be in a box. Like you're the jock, you're the band geek, you're the nerd. And that's funny because we had that in our high school. In fact, I helped design the, um, the yearbook and we, I actually had somebody draw those characters and we had like the game of life and it had all of these characters, exactly how you just labeled them. I think that happens a lot in high school and it's kind of unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So our brand is about embracing everybody. Um, We love rebels. We love people who don't fit the mold, who break the mold, um, who are a little bit different in their own way, who aren't afraid to be authentically themselves. And so cookies belong in boxes, not people is just saying like, you can't put somebody in a box. There's so much more than how they appear. Or how they present themselves. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's great. Uh, what did you do before you started Rebel Daughters? Well, I got my master's in teaching and I never wanted to be a teacher. And so my mom said, well, <laughs> if you move out to Chicago and you don't want to be a teacher, then you can figure out what it is you want to do with your life. And I always wanted to be in the business world. And the way I ended up doing that was to be an executive assistant. So I did that to pay the bills. Um and kind of worked my way up a little bit from, you know, one job to the next. And um, it just, you know, it was, again, just putting one foot in front of the other. It wasn't anything that fulfilled any sort of a passion. And I had always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, I was always the kid at the lemonade stand or, you know, the birthday clown at parties. And I wanted to own my own business. I just didn't know what I wanted to put my blood, sweat and tears into. Um, after moving out to the suburbs and having kids, um, I had my daughter, she was six months old. And I thought that that was like the epitome of life being a mom. And why didn't I feel fulfilled? And there was something missing. And I realized that I was not doing anything creative for myself anymore. And so I told my husband, I wanted to start baking again. And that, you know, the only thing that he would eat was cookies. And so I focused on cookies, (laughs) especially because I miss them in Brooklyn and Chicago. Um, So I was going to make the best chocolate chip cookie around. That's great. And I'm sure that um, doing, you know, going into um, working in these businesses and being an executive assistant gave you skills that have carried over into being. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I find it very funny that you said that because you know, Rebel Daughter Cooks, we don't have a phone number. We don't operate regular business hours. Um, You know, I'm still the person behind the wall, behind the curtain running the business. And so when somebody emails me, I can just sense the frustration in their voice. Like sometimes they'll come out or they'll outwardly say like, hey, I'm frustrated. You don't have a phone number. And they're so surprised when I get back to them in three minutes. And it's me. It's the owner of the company. Um, And so Bill said that from being an executive assistant is I'm constantly on my phone. I'm constantly answering email. I am constantly present. I will answer emails before I go to bed at 11 PM. And I will answer you when I wake up at six 30 in the morning mm-hmm. um, until the company grows to such a point that it, you know, that gets outsourced there. I'm going to train them to be exactly like me. Um, I think customer service is so important. Building relationships with people is so important. It's definitely a skill that I learned as an executive assistant. Um, I had to be the face of the company or the face of my boss um, and sit in for meetings as him. And, and so, you know, it, gaining those interpersonal skills have definitely helped me become a better business person today. 
That's great. I always think that um, when people are ready to start their own business, whatever you're doing, it comes into play later on. Like I've had lots of jobs over my lifetime in restaurants and, you know, retail, whatever it is. But I feel like all those skills helped me to have my my own business now. Absolutely. And to be a better boss, too, because um, the last boss I had or the, the boss in Chicago that I had was he was such a great family man, but he was also such a great uh, people manager. And he was very difficult, I guess, from an out, outside person looking in, a difficult person to work for. And we got a lot of jokes in the company, like, I can't believe you work for this guy. He, to me, was just the best boss because he was always so concerned about everybody on the team and creating a good working environment. And he really took care of me like I was his daughter. And so I learned so much from him on how to be a better boss and a better people manager. That's good. Uh, Tell us about your family. Do your um, kids get involved in the business? Um, Well, I mean, they did. They did. There was a point, we know, when I started baking from home um, when, you know, my kids would be my taste testers and, you know, help me work on a cookie. And of course, I don't know how helpful they are because they liked everything I made. (laughs) Um, Perfect. Yeah. But there's, there's on, I mean, they're very young and there's honestly not that much that they can do, but now they're at the point where they can come in and visit me at the kitchen and they can Mm -hmm. see where mommy works. So so that's really cool. That's nice. Yeah. I, I did a lot of um, farmer's markets at that time when, when my daughter was little. And so I just like, strap her to my chest, (laughs) bring a little thing for her, something for her to sleep in. So she was always around um, at that time, but I I Mm -hmm. couldn't really do that when I was going to the kitchen, of course, because that's not really an environment for kids to be in, but I would do it like if I was doing like pop-ups or markets or things like that. Uh, And we would, we always like to ask what you need from your community at this time. How can we support you and your business? Um, just spread the word. Um, Rebel Daughter Cookies is about supporting other women. Um, we love to champion and empower other women. And my goal as a business person is to try to inspire as many other women as I can that, hey, if I can do it, if I can get myself unstuck, if I can figure out my passion, if I can go for it, no matter how many people told me that you know, it wasn't worth my time or that I wouldn't succeed. If I can do it, then they can too. And, um, Rebel Daughter Cookies is, is all about embracing everybody and, and lifting everybody up. And so if we can just spread that message, then you're, you're helping me with mine. That's great. My next question, you sort of just answered because we usually ask, um, you know, what you would do to encourage people that are dreaming up starting a business. But I think that, that you kind of answered it and just saying that getting themselves unstuck. Cause we see people kind of stand in their own way quite a bit. They're like, I have this idea, but I just have to figure this out before I start it. Or I yeah. have to do this. There's and- no good time. There's no good time. You're never going to be ready. You just have to take the plunge. Yeah, totally. I think that's true. Well, we always like to um, send people directly to you to buy from you. So what's the best way for them to do that? Rebeldaughtercookies.com. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, I'm always on DM. Feel free to shoot me a little question or say hi. Um, but yeah, rebeldaughtercookies.com. We ship nationwide. 
Perfect. We will make sure to link that when we post about you on our Instagram so people can buy from you directly. And just, you know, a lot of our people that we interview are from here in Portland. So this is kind of a unique situation, but people can still get your product, which is great. Yes. Yes, it is great. (laughs) Sarah, do you have any final questions for Anne? Well, I guess I'd just like to know if you had any last bits of advice for our listeners about starting a business. Um, I would say, don't be afraid to be a little selfish and figure out, um, you know, what sets your heart on fire and go after that with tunnel vision, because there are going to be enough roadblocks and bumps in the road that, um, if you can just stay true to yourself, um, and determined and positive in the face of adversity, Um, there's not going to be anyone who's going to stop you. That's very good advice. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on today, Anne. It was so good to hear your story. We'll send people to you. Everybody go out and support this awesome female-led business. We record Masonia Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can send us a DM on our Instagram at Masonia Marshall, and we will be back next week. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye for now. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of Meaningful Marketplace. As a family-owned organ grocer for 42 years, Market of Choice strives to inspire, mentor, and assist a diverse group of local producers and foster equity in our communities. With 11 stores in Oregon, Market of Choice supports these craft makers as well as farmers, fisherfolk, and ranchers by bringing more than 7,000 local products to market. Together, we form a sustainable, community-based food system that serves our great state. To learn more, go to marketofchoice.com. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.